What a wonderful lyric. Now your grace is always with me and I'll never be alone. I, I have felt that this week. Some of you know that about a week ago, uh, my younger sister passed away. I had the opportunity to be with her in the hospital uh, in Corpus Christi and to uh, pray with her, read scripture, to hold her hand as she was breathing her last breath and to remind her of God's promises, to let her know that she was loved. And it was a difficult moment, um, but I, I believe with all my heart the words that we just sang that when his grace is with us, we, we are never alone. And I want to thank you. I want to take this moment to thank you, church, for, uh, for your support. We, I preached her memorial service yesterday in Corpus Christi, and, and throughout the entire week, you have texted and messaged and hugged me and prayed for me and my family, and, and it, it just makes the world a difference. I, I hear people say that all the time. I, I, I I comfort the, the grieving and, and the bereaved, and they always tell me how much of a difference it makes for people to, to pray and to be present and to say encouraging words and, and, uh, and how I had to experience it myself and, and to say yes, it makes a difference. Uh, I know that I'm not alone. You know, God's presence is real, but sometimes his presence is felt through his people. And so you, your presence is a ministry of God. Your, your, your presence through texts, through prayers and uh, hugs and all of that. So thank you for that. And that, as, as we've gone through that in this season of Thanksgiving and coming to the Christmas season, I began to, to think about this idea of a posada. A, a posada is a Spanish word for for in, the inn, um, as, as in the place where you stay. And you might be familiar with the Mexican tradition of posadas. Posadas is something that happens a few weeks before Christmas, especially in the rural places, in villages in Mexico, where people dress up as Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and and they go uh, on the street singing songs and, uh, and then they knock on people's doors asking for room for Jesus. And it is already prepared in the neighborhood that these people are supposed to say no. And so the, someone will open the door, there'll be these people singing songs, people that look like Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, and they'll be singing songs, and, and then they'll ask, is there room at the inn, posada? They ask for posada, and, and they say no, and they close the door. And then later, those people join the procession, and, and they'll go to the next house, and, and they'll keep saying no until they come to a house, and it's already pre, prearranged, where finally the, the, the person says, yes, there is room, come in. And all these people that have been in the procession will come into the house and, and there is hot chocolate and tamales and piñatas and, and the kids have these little bags with an orange and an apple and peanuts and some heart candies and, and they celebrate. And, and I think it's, it's an interesting tradition because 
it has this sense of anticipation that the Christmas season is, is more than uh, uh, you know, anticipating getting gifts, but it is this story about someone who came and there was no room for him at the inn. There was no posada for him. And, and this anticipation of looking for room. Uh, so I've entitled our series for this month, Posada is a room for Jesus. Particularly today, the question I want to ask myself, because I understand that I have to preach to myself first, is, is there room for Jesus in my Christmas? Is there room for Jesus in your Christmas? Let's ask ourselves that question today. What space have we provided for the presence of Jesus during this season? of celebration. And I'd like to invite you to go with me to our text found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Luke 2, 1 through 7. And the Bible says, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no posada for them. What an incredible thing this is. When the Son of God came to earth, humanity was too busy too in a hurry, too crowded to welcome him. When the God of the universe decided to, to take on flesh, to become man so that he could come and save humanity, humanity had no time, no space for him. And so we, we, we look at this story and we're reminded that people sometimes are too busy to notice God's work. The people here in this story were too busy to notice God's work. I've been convicted lately that, that I'm too busy. God has been speaking to me about that. Now I know that, that sometimes there are things that, that are inevitable. There are things that, that work demands and family situations that that demand our time, but sometimes we, we take on a little extra, don't we? Sometimes we, we get overcommitted. You're looking at me as if I'm the only one. Okay, I'll own it all by myself. Sometimes we, 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 we get busy above our means and above our obligation. And I discovered that it is difficult to see God working when I'm the one that's always working. 
that it is difficult to see what God is doing when I'm too focused on my doing. And so I ask myself, is there room for Jesus in my Christmas? Is there room for Jesus in your Christmas? First century Israel was waiting for the Messiah. They'd been waiting for him for a long time, for hundreds of years. They had been in exile and they had returned and, and it, it was never the same again as it had been in the days of David. And, and they longed for a day because the prophets had told them that one day a descendant of David would, would come and reign and, and he would make things right. He would restore the former glory of Israel. And now Israel in the first century finds themselves under Roman oppression. There are foreigners that have taken over the land and, and they are waiting for the day when God will intervene and when he'll bring the Messiah and he will make the people of God what he meant for them to be. They are waiting for that moment. And so in the midst of that the, the Roman emperor, Caesar, gives an order for a census. We, we're about to have a census here in 2020 in the U.S., aren't we? And, and people are talking about it, and, and there are people busy and getting jobs and, 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 and encouraging everybody to get counted, and, and that's a good thing. But, but when, when Caesar gives this order of the census, people become occupied with that. Now, thank God that in our census... We can do it online. But, but in this sense, you had to go to the home of your ancestors. I don't know where your ancestors are from, but can you imagine if, if just to register for the census, you had to travel, not by car or plane, but perhaps walking or on a donkey, and you had to go to that hometown, and all of a sudden, people are busy about getting to their hometown so that they can be there and register for the census. And that busyness that, that is brought on by an earthly king makes people miss out what the heavenly king is up to. The busyness of the Christmas season sometimes can, can be that for us. I, I hear some people when, when they get to December 26th, they are eager to, to throw away their Christmas tree and they're so happy that the Christmas season is over. They're fatigued. They're tired because they've been shopping and they've been cooking and they'll be going to school Christmas parties and work Christmas parties and church Christmas parties and neighborhood Christmas parties and, this, and they've been decorating and they've been hosting family and they've been traveling and by the time December 26 comes around, they're just so tired. And I think if you, if you get to December 26 or 27 or whatever, and you are so happy that Christmas is gone, you're tired, maybe you've been too busy. Maybe you have missed something. I see bumper stickers on people's cards that said, keep Christ in Christmas. And I wonder what that means for them. I know that some people, what they mean is that they want people at the retail store to say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. Or, or they want the courthouse to have a nativity scene, not just a Santa Claus. That's maybe what some people mean. And, and my question though is, before we tell retail stores and courthouses to keep Christ in Christmas, are we keeping Christ in our Christmas? 
are we making room for him? Because we can't expect the unbelieving world to do something that we're not doing. I, I, I imagine that this Thanksgiving as families gathered around the table, they were very much like my family. We had an opportunity to be with extended family in Corpus Christi. And, and this perhaps would be a familiar scene to you. People are sitting around the table. The food is in the middle. And everyone is in their own device. Texting, Facebooking, tweeting, Instagramming, Snapchatting, WhatsApping, and I don't know what else. And I think it's so interesting because all of the social networking is supposed to keep us in touch. It's supposed to connect us and yet it connects us with everyone else except the people in the same room with us. Sometimes. That's what happens with God. We're so trying to be connected with everything that is going on. We're keeping up with everything except what is right in front of our face. It reminds me of, of Mary and Martha. You remember that story, don't you? Mary and Martha were, were hosting Jesus. What, what would you do if Jesus said he would come to your house? Would, would you go out and, and go to, at home and get the best Christmas decorations you could and, and then pull out your old recipes and say, I'm going to make grandma's recipe. Jesus is coming to my house. And, and you work hard to, to clean and to decorate and, 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 and to sweep things under the rug. I don't know what you would do and, and so that you could host Jesus. That's what Martha was doing. Martha was working hard. She was cooking up a storm. She was preparing the house. And, and Jesus showed up and Mary, Mary is just sitting there with Jesus and Martha can't believe it. She's like this lazy sister of mine. And, and, and she gets so frustrated that she tells Jesus, Jesus, tell her something. Look, I'm over here working hard to host you. I'm, I'm cooking, I'm trying to be a good host. And Mary's just sitting there like a bump on a log. You remember what Jesus said to Martha? Martha, Martha. It almost sounds like Marsha, 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 but. <laughs> Martha, oh, you, you've missed it. Mary has chosen the best part. She is enjoying my presence. I remember when our kids were growing up and, and we had birthday parties for them and, and we were at a little smaller church and we, when we made the guest list, we always were afraid that we would leave somebody out and somebody's feelings would get hurt. And, and so after a while, we decided that what we would do is we would just invite the whole church. And so we started doing this big birthday parties for our kids and, and, and uh, we had 60, 70, 80 people at our home. And the preparations would begin that week. My wife would prepare the house and, and we would buy the food and, and the kids had chores to prepare and make sure everything was clean. There were restrooms downstairs that they could not use because they were clean and they needed to stay clean. And then I would get the grill ready and people would start arriving and there were decorations and there was the cake and my wife had cooked all day and, and the house smelled like great food and I was outside flipping burgers and people would eat and we would blow out the candles and cut the cake and open the presents and then at the end of the day we would tell the kids now it's time for you guys to go to bed because mom and I have to clean up. We have to put up the folding chairs and the folding tables and wash the dishes and get ready and you guys go to bed because tomorrow we have church. And as they were going to bed, not so excited about going to bed, I realized that I had spent a couple of days 
working so hard to host everybody else, but I hadn't even spent time with the birthday boy or the birthday girl. And I wonder how many times we're so busy celebrating Christmas that we forget to be with Jesus. Too busy. Too hurried to sense God's timing. Have you noticed that some people are always in a hurry? They leave the house with their coffee mug and half a bagel and they get in their car. Have you seen ladies at the, at the stoplight doing their makeup? And they're like, they have an oatmeal cup and they have their mascara thing and they're trying to drive and like, and then they're driving fast. Some, some people pass me, I'm trying to go speed limit and, and people pass me kind of frustrated and then we get to the next stoplight and we stop the same. And in the name of Jesus, I look at them and I go, ha ha. <laughs> People are in a hurry, they get in a hurry to work and, and, they, and, and they get in a hurry uh, to the store and they, they try to cheat at the, at, at the shopping line. It says 15 items, not 50, right? Trying to go to, to the wrong lane. Your, your cart is full, ma'am, you can't go through the fast lane. Everybody's hurrying and, and getting to places and always in a hurry. And I've discovered that hurry is an enemy of intimacy. Hurry is an enemy of intimacy with God. Is there room for Jesus in your Christmas? You know, Black Friday is, 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 is becoming a, a bigger thing. I remember the days that, that Black Friday was the day after Thanksgiving. And it started maybe at five o'clock in the morning or some ungodly hour like that. And, and, uh, and, and, and people would get ready to, to get in line for the Black Friday specials. Sometimes my family participated in that heathen holiday, but we've repented since then. But I've noticed that now it's, it's not the Friday after Thanksgiving. In October, people are promoting Black Friday specials online. Thanksgiving hasn't arrived and people are already thinking about shopping and the good deals they're going to get and, 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 uh, and they feel like if they don't do it by, by Halloween, they're late. And so JCPenney opened at 2 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. People still have gravy right here hanging and they're already running to the store. And I'm thinking, how can you be thankful for what you have if you're just thinking about what you don't have and what you're going to get. We're in a hurry, we, we wanna rush things. But, but God has his own time. He orchestrates things in his perfect timing. He orchestrated the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. The prophet said that Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. You'd figure that Bethlehem would be ready the same way people are ready for Black Friday. You think they would be ready for the arrival of Jesus, but they missed it. They missed God's timing. Uh, uh, one of our staff families has, has been making drastic changes to their diet and, and they were talking to us about the things they're doing differently and, and they said one of the things we decided to do besides changing the foods that we eat is we're not using the microwave anymore. And I thought about it because this month I've given up gluten and I've given up dairy and I thought, I don't know, I can give up the microwave. I mean, have you ever thought about life without a microwave? Well, life used to go on without microwaves. I don't know how we did it back then, right? 
Do you know, God doesn't fit in your microwave. God doesn't fit in our microwave. He's not the God of instant wishes and desires. We get anxious about tomorrow, but God has tomorrow in his hands. Sometimes we wanna help God with his timing, don't we? But he doesn't need help. He doesn't need us to hurry him up or to hurry ourselves up. As my sister passed and my mom and I were talking about the memorial services and we were thinking about Thanksgiving week and when we should do it. And we were thinking about what would be convenient for family and what would be convenient for the church and, 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 and all of that. And, and, I, and I thought, you know what? This is not supposed to be convenient. It's supposed to be, when somebody dies, it's not supposed to be convenient. I, I, we, we live in such a culture that, that people try to make funerals convenient. Sometimes God is in the inconvenience. Sometimes God interrupts our plans because he wants to get our attention. I, I, I had plans, but God had different plans. Are we so much in a hurry that we could miss God's timing like Bethlehem did so long ago? Is there room for Jesus in your Christmas? Is there room for Jesus in our Christmas? We're too busy, we're too much in a hurry, and we're too full to receive God's presence. That's one of the things that's difficult about Thanksgiving meals, isn't it, is, is that there is this table of beautiful desserts, and before dinner starts, I scope out that table, and I know exactly what I'm gonna get. It's like a little piece of heaven on earth. And, and the problem is that after you sit down to eat the turkey and the green bean casserole and the dressing and all of the other great things, uh, then you come to the dessert table and you're too full. That's, that's horrible to be too full to, for dessert. There should be a law against that. Are we too full for Jesus? Is there, is there room for Jesus in our Christmas. When, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was no room for him. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a hymn, thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was, there, was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, come. There is room in my heart for thee. Is there room for Jesus in your Christmas? What are our lives full of? What is it that fills up our lives? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it self-sufficiency? Is it pride? Is it materialism? What fills our lives? Is there space for God's presence? One of the things I appreciate about the Advent season, and, and you don't hear about the Advent season at the mall or, or on TV ads because Advent doesn't sell anything. You can't buy Advent spirit. It, it is not about shopping or, or decorating, really. Advent is about creating space 
for God's presence in your life is a season of reflection, of, of thinking about the meaning of the coming of Jesus. Our, our family has celebrated Advent when our kids were growing up. We, we did it in different ways. We had Advent calendars that we would open up each day. And I remember one year we, we made this Advent chain out of construction paper and, and we had 25 links and we put it at the top of the Christmas tree and, and, and there were these construction paper links to the chain and, and each link had a scripture written on the inside. So on December 1st, we would get together with the kids and, and they would tear up that link and we would read that scripture and think about the expectation of the arrival of Jesus. And, and then December 2, we would, we would open that second link and every day that chain got shorter and shorter until there was no more chain. And it was a way of teaching our children, Christmas is more than just about the gifts that you're going to get. It's more than what Santa is going to bring you. It, it is about the expectation, the arrival of a king who was born in a manger. And so however you celebrate Advent, I, I hope that you create that space in your family with, with your kids. I know families that light candles every, every Sunday and they read a devotional. There are devotional guides that you can get that help you create space this season for reflecting for the presence of Jesus. I, I have two jars here in front of me. This, this jar is full of these nice blue pebbles that my wife bought and they're beautiful. And, and she bought them so that you can put water in this jar and put a candle in it and, and you certainly can do that. And then I have this jar that is completely emptied. Both jars are the same size. One of them has pebbles in it. The other one is completely empty. And I wonder if I were to take one of these water bottles, both water bottles are full. And, and, and I were to think of this jar as my life filled with concerns and hurry and preoccupations and anxiety and pride and self-sufficiency. And, and if this bottle represented the Holy Spirit and, and, and I asked God to pour his Holy Spirit into my life, we, we could pour this water into this jar and fill it to the top, fill it to the rim with this water that represents the Holy Spirit. And once I fill it, I look at my water bottle and, and it has a fourth left. I take a water bottle that has the same amount of water and I do the same thing with the empty jar and I pour what could be the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit in one's life. And I realize that in the empty jar, all of the Holy Spirit that God has for that person is poured out. Which one is your life? Sometimes we need to remove some pebbles from our lives, we need to empty our lives of things, of materialism, of worry, of hurry, of preoccupations, so that we can create space for the Jesus of Christmas. Is there room 
for Jesus in your Christmas? How can you create that space in your life? When history is written, will, will they say of us that when Jesus came to our neighborhood, there was found no room for him at the inn? You know, people have different postures for prayer and, and all postures, I think, say something about the significance of, of an attitude of expectation, of an attitude of waiting. So people pray on their knees. You know, when you're on your knees, you can't run. You can't rush. When you're on your knees, you have to be still. Some people pray by putting their hands together and, and when you put your hands together, it is a way of saying, I, I'm gonna quit doing stuff with my hands and I'm going to stop to see what God wants to do in my life. Some people pray, pray with their eyes closed. When you close your eyes, it's a way of saying, I, I wanna disconnect myself from everything around me and I want to connect with my creator, with my savior. Some people pray with hands open. Open hands are a way of saying, I, I empty my heart, I empty my life. I, my hands are empty, I want to receive your presence, I want to receive what you have in store for me. Whatever your physical posture is, I, I hope that your heart's posture is one that is ready to receive God's presence, that makes room for Jesus this Christmas, this season. Today, Rolando and Janet Aguirre and Selena and David are traveling to Houston tomorrow morning. Selena will have a very critical surgery at Texas Children's Hospital. And as the Aguirres have been struggling with this for months and making the right decisions for Selena and, and trying to figure out what it all means. They found this hospital and this team of professionals that created space in their busy professional lives to care for the 12-year-old Selena so that she could receive the best care possible. And Rolando and Janet are so thankful for that. And they are thankful for the fact that you and I have been praying for them and they ask for our prayers because not only do they have access to great medical professionals, but they have access to the great physician, to the God of the universe. What a great thing it is that God creates space for us, that hospitals and doctors create space for patients and children what a great privilege it is for us to create space for prayer, for Jesus. Somewhere in a little village in Mexico this week, there will be people in a processional dressed like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, and they'll knock on doors and they'll ask for posada. They'll ask for room at the inn. Some will say no, and someone will say yes. Is there room for Jesus in your Christmas? Would you bow your head with me? Father, we thank you today for the fact that one day you decided to come to earth and to be our savior. 
it breaks our hearts to know that, that when in your love and compassion you came to earth, people were too busy, too in a hurry, too full to receive you. That the Son of God had to be born in a trough where the animals eat because people had no room for him. Oh God, let not that be said of us this season. Deliver us from our busyness and our hurry and our fullness so that there is room for you in our Christmas. I want to invite you today to respond to God's message however God has spoken to you. Maybe you want to come and kneel down here at the front and pray. Maybe you want to pray with one of us. I want to ask pastors and deacons to be up here. If you have a need, if you want somebody to pray for you, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe you want us to stay where you are and open your hands and say, Jesus, I want to make room for you this season. There's room in my Christmas for you. Maybe you need to make a commitment. Whatever commitment that is to obey, you make it. Let's stand to our feet and let's begin to respond to God's message to you this morning.